0: As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guest today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of B Squared, where we help you find your balance and your blueprint to transition transition into sales management. Today, my guest is Chris Rombach. How are you today, Chris?
1: I'm doing wonderful, and How are you?
0: I'm doing awesome. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Chris. He is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Ashaikase, I hope I said that right, Bioprocess America. He has held various leadership and sales management roles in leading B2B companies, providing processing equipment to the biopharmaceutical industry through his 30-year career. So you're, you've are you been doing this for a while, 30 years, three decades. Tell us how you started your career and how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, um, I, I started my career by getting into sales when I was very young. Uh, one of the first things I did was I was a paper boy, like a lot of people back in those days. And I remember the uh, newspaper had a program that... Uh, Whoever got the most starts could uh, get a $100 gift certificate, or I think it was a savings bond at the time, and a, something to build, an execto knife kit to build models. And so I went out and sold the most, and I got this great bonus, which for a 12-year-old kid was an awful lot of money, and I was hooked. And uh, I started doing various jobs that uh, involved some level of sales, whether it was selling, at one point I was selling oysters uh, then I was selling uh, uh, painting home services, and uh, when I finally graduated college, um, I decided that I would pursue uh, a career in sales and uh, started uh, doing kind of industrial sales and then have slowly focused over the years into where I am today doing a biopharmaceutical system and equipment sales.
0: So how did you transition? When you graduated college, did you know you wanted to go into sales? What was that transition like for you?
1: Well, funny enough, um, I graduated college with a degree in marine biology, and I thought uh, that I was going to be, you know, with Jacques Cousteau and uh, sailing around the world, and that didn't happen. And uh, I got a job actually in aquaculture, fish farming, uh, right out of college. And then I realized it it was just not my passion. I enjoyed it, but I love the the competition of selling. And so I, um, oddly enough, applied for a job in which the hiring manager had a friend who wanted to start an abalone farm, which was where I had worked. And because of that, he called me and I started selling right then and there. And I remember uh, when I met with the president of the company at the time, it was a distributors ship, a manufacturer's rep. He said, well, you have no sales experience. I said, that's not true. I've been selling to you for the last 45 minutes, and I think I deserve this job. And so he, uh, he gave me the job, and uh, that was it. And I began my career as a professional salesperson at that time.
0: Ah, okay. Okay. So um, like so many people, it's, you like stumbled into it, right? Like, ah, this is what I wanted to do. But what I really like is you took knowledge that you had, you were a marine biologist, you worked in the industry, and then you transitioned into selling products in that industry. Did you find that that served you well?
1: It really did because, um, you know, what I'm selling now are practical solutions to common problems that, uh, various pharmaceutical companies have. And so having a practical and technical background was very helpful because uh, I could learn how to sell, but I had to understand what they were doing first, which my experience in, and uh, education really helped me with. So I was lucky to get a lot of training when I was young um, in sales, and I continue to do that to this day.
0: Oh, that's so good. and this is a a fight I will say I have with so many people. They're always like, well, we have to hire somebody who knows our industry, who knows this, who knows that. But one thing that you just said is I had to learn what they did and their processes before I could fully sell it, right? And so when you get a salesperson and you like throw them into the business, not just go out there and start selling, but let me walk you through the line. Let me teach you how this product is actually made. You speak more intelligently about it.
1: Absolutely, and, and being a part of industry groups and showing your customers that you're interested in their business beyond just making a sale has also served me very well. And it was a great way to learn about some of the interesting industries because I've sold to uh, a number of really fun and exciting companies. And when I started, I mean, it was some the world's largest brewer was a customer of mine. Uh, the folks that, you know, that make uh, all of the film prints back in the day was a customer because I was selling filtration equipment. Uh, Hair care products all of these different things that as a kid I was always curious about how things were made I was the kid that took the TV apart, you know at least I was smart enough to unplug it before I did that but um, I always was I just had this innate curiosity and sales has been a wonderful avenue to pursue those curiosities.
0: Mm, Yes, the most curious people are the best salespeople. So tell me about your transition into sales management. How was it happen, Chance? Did you decide it? How did that transition happen for you?
1: You know, I think it started uh, like it does uh, for so many salespeople is, is that I was very successful as an individual contributor uh i happened to be in a part of our business that was growing we served a lot of different industries but i was focused primarily on the pharmaceutical which was really starting to take off at that time and in, in particularly in california where i was from and uh you know the guy who sells the most gets promoted and uh that's kind of what happened um i think that uh I, i've always wanted to be in a role of, of leadership it was something that excited me and uh, I have a history of, of coaching. I used to coach both of my children in, in sports and we were quite competitive and it was really a lot of fun to, to be the, the teacher. And so that's what I see my, my role as now um, with all humility that uh, I can teach some folks some things to help their lives go a little smoother on the sales side.
0: Awesome. And so I, you know, I think when you have the heart of a teacher, those make the best managers, right? Because you realize that I'm not just ruling with an iron um, glove, I'm actually trying to teach you because I know if I teach you, you'll learn and in your learning, then you'll go do and execute, right. And it's like that cycle that we try to ensure that our, our team follows. So when you because it, that happens so much, right, the top salesperson is promoted to the, to the sales manager. So tell us about your first days, months, or years as a sales manager. Were you in love with it? Did you not love it? How did you um, overcome it or get through it, I would say?
1: I, you know, I I think there's certainly aspects of my ego that loved it. Everyone loves to get a promotion and to be the boss, right? Let's be, be real. Um, it was It was exciting because our business was growing. I didn't have to make a lot of really tough decisions early on because mm. we were in a period of of great success, Uh, that hasn't always been the case in my career. Uh, I think the hardest thing to learn was to realize that people do things differently. And when you're successful, you think that that's the way to do it. And when you start to manage people, you realize that they might do it slightly differently. And it really has to be focusing on the outcome rather than the process. And that took some adjusting. That took some learning Mm. for me.
0: So how did you overcome that? How did you, how were you able to really balance the, okay, so I was excellent and I did everything this way, but no one else does it like I do it and I need to get them all to be excellent, to hit their quota. What things did you do to help them achieve that?
1: Well, I think uh, you first have to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, where they're coming from. People's intentions really make a big difference. Uh, in other cases, you have to get them to trust you. I think that's, that's paramount. Uh, if you're going to ask somebody to change, you have to have their you know, complete trust. And that only can come through empathy and time spent with them and listening and directing. And most importantly, I think, being consistent. And I think that's, as a manager, one of the most critical aspects is that people can see you to be relatively predictable in the way you'll respond to a situation
0: hmm so can you remember back to the the first uh salesperson that you had to redirect or get on to as a manager can you rehash that moment and what that was like for you
1: well you're really pulling back into the archives but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i yeah i i do have the recollection of that we had uh, one individual at the time who was extremely bright, very technical, but not as sales savvy and felt that he would rely on his technical prowess, if you will, rather than sales skills. And uh, I had to redirect him that the purpose of his job was that was to sell, I mean, educating the customer was part of it, but we didn't get commissions on how many people we educated unless it was uh, shown you know, by a purchase order. So uh it it just it took some encouragement, and again, I think it took all of those aspects that I'd mentioned of of, of having that trust and being steady and not pushing too hard too fast. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing is that pick your battles and uh, let things uh, progress as long as you're moving in the right direction and it's consistent. You, it's amazing how far you can go.
0: Mm, that's good. Um, <clears throat> I like that. Choose your battles and I do think that in our field of technical sales, we have a lot of those people who are too technical, right? And they just are so focused on why it's so cool. And they remember their days working in the lab or researching or whatever it was, yeah. right? And so they forget that, oh, okay, when I go visit a client, I'm actually trying to get a purchase order, not just educate them on something. But I think it sounds like even as a young sales manager, you really had the right idea. So let's kind of fast forward a, a couple years to to now. Um, tell us more about what your current position is. Your current company.
1: So my current position at uh, Asahi Kasei Bioprocess is, as uh, you had mentioned earlier, I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing here. Uh, This is a company that was, uh, like many in our industry, started uh, with a good idea in someone's garage, and uh, they grew that to a certain size, uh, and it was ultimately sold to Asahi Kasei. Many people don't know that name, but it's a very large uh, global Japanese company with sales in the uh, tens of billions of dollars in a variety of industries. And they bought this company to complement some of their existing sales here. And uh, I was brought in about a year and a half ago uh, to bring a certain level of professional management. The person who preceded me was someone who grew up with the company and uh, was very successful, but I think the company outgrew him uh, in his experience and he chose to do something else. And so it made an opportunity for me. And uh, I've come in here and we're, we're working on getting us from that kind of adolescent period as a company to being a more, you know, professional and adult companies. Not that they weren't professional before, but when you're small and entrepreneurial, you do things that you have to do. And now as we've gained more momentum, it's time to apply a little more experience and discipline to our approach.
0: So as a um, a company, within a company, if you will, how, um, as the VP of Sales and Marketing, are there challenges that you have with the parent company or are you guys pretty autonomous in what you do?
1: We're amazingly autonomous, and I give huge credit to our parent company for that because, uh, of course, there's rules and there's guides that we have to follow and certain things, but for the most part, they allow the individual business units to operate the way that they need to, and they give us quite a bit of flexibility.
0: And I would say for international companies, anyone out there at an international company that has subsidiaries throughout the world, exactly what they are doing is how you should let business units run, right? Whether it's regional or product lines, because everything isn't the same. If you we think about like a company like let's just use a giant company like Amazon, they have Amazon Prime Video and Amazon um, Kindle, right? Those are two different product lines. And you have two different needs, two different customer types, right? So that's a, a very concrete example. Of what I sound, it sounds like your company is doing right. So now let's peel back the onion a little bit. You're the VP of sales and marketing, right? So That's tell correct. me about the, how is it peanut butter and jelly? Do they get along well, or is it more like I have peanut allergies? I don't want to touch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to touch the the the, the 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 peanut butter. Well,
1: you know I. I'm a salesman uh, at heart, and that's where my experience comes in. I've been around enough good marketing people over the years to be able to uh, understand it and have some some insights. And so I, I think the two teams work together remarkably well. Uh, one of the things I really do like about my current company is that various teams cooperate quite a lot because it's a clear goal that we're pursuing. So uh, they are very supportive and uh, we're starting to see the results of that. Uh, we had a phenomenal year last year, and uh, we see this as being another very strong year again. So everyone likes to play together nicely, I'd say. Okay,
0: that's good. There's always the, oh, marketing did do this. Oh, sales didn't close the sale. Marketing didn't bring the right leads in. It's like, you know, that constant push and pull. Um, so 18 months, tell me when you started with your company, what, when you start in a new position as a VP of sales, what type of framework you use or how did you start 18 months ago and really blow things out of the water um, this past fiscal year?
1: So uh, that's a great question. And I think the first is uh, you've got to understand what you're walking into. So uh, and, and resist the urge of saying, well, this is the way we've done it before. This is what I know. More to understand what are we doing first and then what's the motivation behind that so i asked a lot of questions i didn't make a lot of changes mm. of course when you're the new boss you always have people coming in well he did this or she does that or i don't like this and you have to gather all of the information that you possibly can before you start making decisions so i was basically a sponge for the first six to eight months just absorbing mm. everything that i could and then so
0: i, I kind of I, I wanted I to. Stay on that for a little bit. So for six to eight months, you were in listening mode, right? You were using your good sales skills, listening to the customer, (laughs) not talking, (laughs) not offering. You were just listening, listening to the needs of people, listening to their complaints for six solid months. I hope everyone heard Chris, six months in his new position as an experienced sales leader, he was able to do this. If you're a new sales leader, you should still do the same thing because you don't know what's going on. Right? Like to me, that's a great tip that I hope everybody takes away from this interview. Listen, learn before you act and do.
1: Absolutely. Because, you know, you've got to, you've got to listen to everybody, but you have to make your own opinions. And uh, sometimes those that uh, scream the loudest first are not always the most accurate in their perceptions. So Mm -hmm. you've got to, got to, Get that and it's the same really in selling. you know if most decisions involve multiple people and you need to know what's important to every one of them and how they interact and how they interrelate and managing salespeople is no different.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay so after your listening phase, six to eight months, what, what happened next?
1: Then we started to, to really kind of we now had a, I had a pretty good list of, of things that I saw that were gaps or omissions, mm-hmm or areas for improvement and it then came down there's as, as usual there's more problems to solve in a week or a month than time or days to do that so you have to triage you have to think of you know you've got all of these different th- problems and challenges what are the ones that are going to make the most impact and also what are the ones that like in college where you had prerequisites that maybe you have to fit fix first so that you can fix the larger problem later. And, uh, and, and then that message has to be conveyed to the team. So they understand because invariably people can't come to you with a myriad of problems and some of their problems, even though they're legitimate are not going to get solved first. And so they need to understand why you're working on what you're working on and how you've prioritized that over their, uh, their problem. And that I'm not saying, no, I'm just saying, not now.
0: And, so and... you took what you learned and you kind of like mapped it out, but in mapping it out, it sounds like there was transparency. So people knew like, hey, we have 50 things on the board that we have to do, but we have to prioritize them because we can't do everything at the same time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's not the time for surprises. I think people will rally behind you when they understand that one, you have a plan and two, they can generally accept it. Sometimes there's a little disagreement. Mine should have went first or we should have done this first, but that's part of being a manager that you have to step up and say, no, I'm taking this responsibility.
0: Okay. So our roadmap is listen, transparency. I love it. All right. So what do we do next?
1: Then you get to work. And you just start making it happen and you just start doing things and, and you know, empowering people. Because now everyone knows what it is that you're targeting and what you're not targeting. That's also important. And uh, you just start working on it and continue to do that and continue to support, follow up with the team, make sure that they've got all they need, make sure they're still motivated, uh, obviously uh, redirect if needed, give them congratulations, let them know they're doing the right thing. And then as things start getting finished, then it's time to start a new list. And Mm. I think that's an important lesson I've learned too, is that if you have a list that goes from one to 20 and uh, you say, okay, we can do one through 10 this year, next year shouldn't start at 11 because there could Mm. be a new number one. Mm. And I think that's really important too, is to constantly plan and prioritize.
0: I love this. So we're listening, we have transparency, and then we're executing execution. So you take everything that you learned, you get everyone on board with what you're doing, and then you start doing. And then I like to say, what? rinse and repeat, right? And it's a yes. cycle. So this is a circle. This is not linear. This is a cycle of things that should be happening for you as a sales leader. When you start a position, when you're five years in, it doesn't matter because like you said, it's a cycle, right? You're always right. trying to listen more, figure out, okay, do, should we move into new markets? And I think that the key is you have, like, I, I always say I have my three Ps, right? It's people, process, profits, right? And it's I am always in those order, in that order, because people are always first, process is second, and then profits will come. And as a, a sales leader, it's like you have the strategic stuff, right? You have the big picture, but then you have the, the little day-to-day things. I have these salespeople, I have these products. And in order to really grow, I think that you have to be listening to all of those things.
1: Absolutely. And in addition to the three Ps, I look at it similarly and say it a little bit differently. So we're always looking for results and and we wonder what drives results and its behavior and uh, what drives behavior. And many times we try and use process and content to drive behavior, but ultimately what drives behavior is people's beliefs. What do they believe in? And so we have to, as a sales manager, understand what do they believe? And of course you have to have processing content. We all use CRM, we all have uh, ERPs that we work from and, and, and so forth, but it really comes to what do they believe? And if you can get to that nugget and find out what it is, then I think that's how you can really drive behaviors.
0: Yes, and you know, when I, I um, am working with sales managers, I ensure that they, are, they have goals for themselves and for their team. And I always include a personal goal, right? It's not everything is not always about driving business. You know, are they um, saving up to buy a car, right? Are they struggling to to have a child and so they need to invest twenty thousand dollars in IVF, right? Like, why are they actually working? What? What are they using their commissions for, their bonuses for? Because just like you said, it's their belief system. It's what's motivating them. And when you really get to that inner core, that's when you are truly able to coach your salespeople the right way.
1: Absolutely. And everyone's different, you know, not just because we're all individuals, but also people are in different stages of their career. What's important to me when I was a young man starting my family is not exactly the same level of importance that I have today. That my children are grown, grown, and on their own. So, uh, right. you've got to—it's it, it's empathy. It, we we can try and avoid empathy as much as we want, but you just can't. It, everything comes back to that.
0: Right, and and you know I think it's also so important to to recalibrate because last time this year. Um, I, you know, I, I just bought a house. So my goals were, Hey, I want to get furniture this time right. of this year. I'm like, I want to go on vacation. I've been sitting in this house for 12 months with all this furniture. Now <laughs> I'm go on vacation. Right. right. So our, our personal goals change. And so the reason that we're That's working and we're showing up and we're always driving so hard, they change and really to be effective. You, you said you hit the nail on the head. It's empathy, empathy, understanding their beliefs. I love it. So, well, it seems like we're probably coming to the close of closer to the end of our eighteen months. So tell me about what results were you able to drive in um, the past eighteen months?
1: So uh, we've we've done a, a full implementation, re-implementation of uh, Salesforce, which uh, has now provided the company with a much better understanding of view of what the future is going to be. So we've made our business a bit more predictable. And I've gotten everybody on the team who was, you know, it's as as simple as this, everybody was doing everything in Outlook or their own, and there was no communication. And, you know, there are plenty of other solutions, including Salesforce, but somehow a way to bring everybody together. That was a big part of it. Uh, We grew the business in my first, which just finished in my first fiscal year, 299. 0.6% versus the year prior. I wanted to Mm. get to 3X. I was just under, I guess if I round, I can say it was three times. Mm. But we grew the business by three times and we have the largest open order portfolio uh, right now in the history of the company and the largest opportunity backlog by a factor of four from this time last year.
0: Mm, mm, mm. That's music to my ears. And it's music (laughs) to my ears because We've been talking for 20 or so minutes and not one time did you say anything about pushing results, driving revenue, KPIs, making sure they're making phone calls or doing this or doing that. Like we've talked about how you actually build a sales team and how you can drive those results with the people that you have. 3X. You've been there for 18 months and you've driven these results. Three. Oh my gosh, I love it. And then you, not only have you grown three times, <clears throat> you have a backlog and you have opportunities and you have a CRM that the salespeople are obviously actually using, which is a feat unto itself, right? <laughs> salespeople yeah. actually using a CRM. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I know that you, you seem like you're pretty humble, but you really should be patting yourself on the back because you've done a phenomenal, phenomenal job.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. It's uh... It's my pleasure. I mean, it's just been, it's just been a fun ride and it's back to the whole coaching thing. You know, everyone here is having a great time. It's stressful to grow that fast, that quick is is, is a challenge. And it's obviously putting pressure on, you know, our operations and engineering teams, but they are rising up to it too. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It beats the alternative yeah. of staying flat or getting smaller. Yep. And we're pretty excited. Exactly.
0: Oh my. So what do you, so we talked about your full process, but can you put your finger on maybe, I know it's gonna be hard, but the one thing that you could attribute much of the success to?
1: I think the, the easiest thing, and it sounds trite, is just getting the team to work as a team and the success that comes from multiple people pulling and pushing in the same direction. And uh, there were a lot of individual contributors and some successful people here, but uh, now that we're all working together and it, it's great, somebody, you know, goes out on vacation, somebody else picks up for them. There's no question. They just, even though they're not going to get credit for that sale, doesn't matter because they know that they'll get the same in return. And so you've got to maximize every member of your team to the, their full potential and get them to go for the same goal and, and you'll easily achieve your stated objectives.
0: Mm, That is so powerful because so many times it's like salespeople, I do when I'm working with sales teams, I tell them, hey, this is your own small business. You put into it, whatever you get out of it, right? But at the same time, you're not a business owner. You're not competing with the person in the next region. I mean, really, you guys can't even go after the same accounts. So right. why why not help them? And really that team aspect, because... Especially when there's a remote sales force, everybody kind of feels like disjointed. Um, so they don't have that real team collaboration. And the example that you use is great. Somebody went on vacation and one of their colleagues said, hey, I'll pick up for you. I'm not going to get compensated. But I know that when I want to take a week off and turn my phone and email completely off, I can. And, you know, that's also that the, their belief system and that empathy, right? Having right. that balance because that's so important, too.
1: But then you got to have that process. So, you know, shout out to the CRM because the fact that we have that in place and we built it well, it makes it very easy to transition the information to the salesperson when they come back. When they're, mm-hmm. they're back in the office, they can see exactly the history. They don't have to say, oh, could you forward me this email or that? So you have to have the structure to mm-hmm. support your beliefs.
0: Yes, structure, process. You know, I'm a chemist, so those are my words. You're speaking my language, right? (laughs) Um, I like to tell salespeople, uh, the CEO of the company should be able to sip a margarita on the beach in Mexico at 2 a.m. on a Sunday and look at any single opportunity that you're working or thing that you're touching and be able to know exactly what's going on with it. If that can if I can go in there and look at it without having to call you or email you, you're using it right right? And it sounds like, especially if you're handling accounts for people, you need to have all of that information in there. So I am a big advocate for CRM. I tell people they're like a gazillion out there, whatever's right for your business, right? Right. Just find something that works, use it and implement it, right? That's it. Simple.
1: Absolutely. But again, you should know what you, you know, they're so highly configurable that you can't just, and that was the problem was that the company had spent a lot of money to implement it. But they didn't understand how they wanted to use it. And so mm-hmm. that's the first is that you've got to be able to understand how are you going to use it? What's important? What data do you want to know? So right. that you can create the right dashboards and create the, the right system so that the information's easily retrievable later. So do that first, then implement.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's, it really goes back to your sales process, right? So have a written sales process and then figure out what in the process needs to be within a system, right? Within your dashboard. How can we um, automate or nudge or ensure that the salespeople are doing what they need to do with the technology that we have? But it all starts again, kind of going back to, to your, your, phases that we came up with the the listening phase right so in your listening phase you were developing that process you were developing those things that needed to happen you mentioned the gaps right so okay i can use this tool that we are already paying for to fill this gap
1: exactly yeah well said
0: awesome awesome Chris, this has been an amazing, amazing conversation. You have taken me all the way through your journey. (laughs) Uh, When you first started in sales, your first um, hard conversation, which it sounds like you handled it with grace and poise, up to now, 3x growth in 18 months in a, and I, what I really want to, to emphasize is, you know, there are people from all different industries that are watching our interview and you're not like doing something like digital marketing or Google ads or anything like that, right? This is, this is technical sales. This is real hardcore selling, right? We're not talking about a company that's just doing e-commerce, so they are booming. This is just hardcore selling.
1: Absolutely. It is. It's problem solving. It's, you know, system development and uh, it's, uh, it's there, we, you know, our mantra is built for you. So a lot of our products are custom and uh, this starts at the salesperson and mm-hmm. you know, understanding what the customer needs because we have the ability to engineer a wide variety of products but we need to make sure we're engineering the wide variety of product that fits that customer's needs. So that's what makes the right
0: really thing. The right thing. Yeah. <laughs> the right thing at the right time. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if people want to get in contact with you, what is the one best way that they can reach out to you?
1: I think the one best way, uh, way is by email. Thank you for joining us today on the snack-sized sales podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.